0: This is AQR's The Curious Investor, a show that breaks down some of the most important ideas in finance to help us make better investment decisions. I'm Gabe Figali.
1: And I'm Dan Villalon. Today we're talking about implementation. It's one thing to have an investment philosophy. It's a whole other thing to actually build a portfolio that reflects that. And we're joined by one of our colleagues who
0: focuses a lot of her time on this challenge.
2: I'm Adrian Ross, and I'm on AQR's Global Stock Selection Team.
0: If you go around asking investors what they look for in a stock, you'll probably hear a few themes over and over again. Something like, we like underpriced, improving, and high-quality companies. So based on this, you might think all portfolios would just look the same. But they don't.
1: And that's because of all the little choices an investor makes in implementing those ideas. And these little choices are really important. Adrian co-authored a paper called Craftsmanship Alpha that was all about this
2: there's a huge amount of value that can be extracted by design choices, just by portfolio construction decisions. They're often you know, overlooked, underappreciated, not as exciting. They're certainly not what you want to talk about at any kind of a cocktail party. But these choices are so important because if you do something wrong, then any kind of a return can very quickly move from a positive expected return to a negative return if you make a lot of bad choices in implementing that idea.
0: The challenge is there's no end to the implementation choices you can make. Take value investing as an example, basically favoring cheap stocks versus expensive ones. In academic studies, value is often measured by the ratio of a company's book value to its
2: price. This is the most common way to think about capturing, you know, value in in stock selection. But there's a lot of other ways you can do that. There's so many different choices. There's no reason why you have to only look at balance sheets, why you only have to look at book value.
0: There are lots of different ways to measure whether a company is cheap or expensive. You could look at income statements, you could look at cash flow statements, you could even look at just the price.
2: This is what we think is a really important distinction, is looking at a lot of different measures to really get at the core component of what you're trying to capture, which is cheap companies tend to outperform expensive companies.
1: And this explains how two different value investors can have two very different portfolios. Adrian likes to think of it like cooking.
2: There's all sorts of steps along the way that's analogous to the steps that go into constructing an investable portfolio. You can follow all the steps, and two people following the same steps can end up with very different dishes in the case of following a recipe, where the food tastes totally different.
1: Gabe and I haven't won five James Beard Awards for cooking, but our other
3: guest today has. Tom Colicchio, chef and owner of Crafted Hospitality.
0: Tom is a world-renowned chef who opened New York restaurants like Kraft and Gramercy Tavern. And he's been a judge on the show Top Chef for 16 seasons and counting.
3: There's too many variables to just follow a recipe and think that you know how to cook. Uh, but But that's not even the artistry in cooking. So... You can pick up the French Laundry cookbook and a, and a reasonably accomplished home chef could master some of those recipes. Good luck taking those recipes and breaking them down and putting them into a production facility where you're producing on that high level moment for moment and taking care of you know 100, 150, 200 people and not only doing that dish, but doing 30 others and executing them perfectly every single time. That's the hard part. Being a chef is much more complex than knowing a few recipes.
1: The goal for a chef might be to create a perfect meal, but that's not what
3: separates the good from the great. Um, there's a certain nuts and bolts to running a restaurant that, you know, it's, it's not sexy, it's not like the cool thing. Um, but the better chefs are the chefs that behind the scenes can figure out how to make that work, um, how to make it work consistently and to work at a really high level. I mean, when, when I was at Grammar Sheet Tavern, and I think the first and second year of the 50 best in the world, the write up was that. Most people didn't understand how we could do what we were doing for that many people. Probably during the course of the day, about 500 people. How we were doing that on such a high level um, with, with the many covers. A lot of the restaurants are in the top 50 were doing like 60 covers a night. So it's it's really about understanding how to kind of sort of make that puzzle work.
0: Part of the puzzle is coming up with
3: specialized tasks for everyone on the team. So for me, it was creating a system where you had a stove and the stove was in the center of the kitchen and you had... Two cooks in the front, There's a fish side and the meat side. You got a cook in the front doing all the meat apps, cook in the middle doing all the vegetables for the meat entrees, the person down the end doing all the meat entrees. Same thing on the fish side. And then there was a cold section and a pastry section. And it was just broken down. You break down the tasks and then you figure out a system that works for your kitchen.
1: And breaking down specific tasks works in investing too.
2: We have a lot of specialized teams as it relates to kind of every step of the investment process. We have a specialized team on trading. They spend all their time thinking about cost-effective execution. We have a dedicated team on portfolio implementation. They spend their time thinking about optimization and weighing various risks and trade-offs. We have a team that even is responsible for data and what to do to the extent that there's problems with our data and how to deal with contingencies there. They are important choices that you need to make from start to finish when you're thinking about building an implementable, real-world investment portfolio.
1: If you're running a restaurant, you're not just thinking about the
3: best dish you can make. You're also thinking about the timing. The better chefs are able to figure out how much they could do ahead of time that will cause the least uh, detriment to the final outcome of the dish. So there's a fine line between doing everything ahead of time where everything's just kind of old and sitting around and are cooking in the moment, but knowing how to get ahead of that. Let's say we had a dish where it was roasted sea bass with peas and maybe morels. So the peas were shucked, obviously, ahead of time, blanched ahead of time, So it, which isn't going to really hurt them at all um, as long as we can use that day. Butter sauce was made ahead of time, kept warm. So you take a spoonful of the butter sauce, put it in a pan, drop the morels in it, and let it start to cook, add the peas. That's very quick. So the other person is roasting the sea bass. So now it's about creating a system to expedite this food. People have clear instructions, and it's working on a timing system where everything comes up together.
0: Timing is also critical in investing. A stock that looks attractive for a portfolio today might not next month. Take momentum the idea that improving stocks
1: tend to continue to improve. Compared to something like value investing, momentum investing is a higher turnover strategy, which means transaction costs can matter a lot. But even momentum investors can afford to be a little
2: patient. Of course, you're going to have the highest expected returns if you're trading to the ideal dream portfolio every single day, but that's very, very costly, and so... You know, maybe you want to do it every month. Maybe you don't want to turn over as much. And that allows you to still capture as much of the investment idea in a way that's not quite as costly.
0: Another way implementation can reduce costs? Substitutability.
2: There's two stocks that have similar momentum characteristics. One is much cheaper to trade. We may actually want to trade that stock instead.
1: And the transaction costs themselves might be different than what you think they are.
2: A lot of people really just focus on the explicit costs, which are commissions, fees, taxes, etc. Those are the kinds of things that have an explicit sticker price in terms of what it would cost to trade. But there's also implicit costs, which relate to whether you're moving prices when you're actually trading. Things like market impact.
0: For example, let's say there's a stock trading at $10. If you wanted to buy a billion dollars of it in the next few minutes... There's no way you could do that at $10. There just aren't enough investors willing to sell at that price. As you buy more and more, you nudge up the price. That's market impact.
1: Costs like market impact can be hard to measure, and they're often overlooked. But they can be much bigger than ones that are easier to see, like commissions. Successful implementation means trying to minimize both of these costs. In cooking, you're always thinking about balance. Like when you combine ingredients, how much should you have of each? And you can even think about balance in terms of how the
3: food gets presented on the plate. It's not like you're putting a green vegetable here at twelve o'clock and one at you know four o'clock and one at eight o'clock, and then we're filling it's not about symmetry. And that's hard to teach. It's easier to teach symmetry because then there's just very it's very easy to look at a plate and if you know everything that's on this side has to be on this side. That's pretty easy. But it's when you start just opposing things and using negative space and someone who's not thinking along those lines that they struggle with that.
0: And for investors, if you use multiple styles, styles like value and momentum and quality, it's the same thing. How do you balance those ideas?
2: Are you allocating by capital, by dollars? Are you allocating by risk? Are you taking into consideration the correlations or the way that these styles interact with each other?
0: Take value and momentum, two investment styles or themes. They tend to be negatively correlated, meaning they tend to like pretty different stocks. So an investor faces some trade-offs in trying to capture both themes. The simplest approach
1: is to take half your money and buy value stocks, and take the other half and buy momentum stocks. When you combine these two halves, the resulting portfolio has some value and some momentum. Call this a portfolio mix. Adrian says there are some drawbacks to that tactic.
2: So, if you're following a portfolio mix approach, you like one company in your value portfolio because it's cheap. You dislike that same company in your momentum portfolio because it's deteriorating. And when you effectively do that, you're ignoring some of the benefits that are incorporated when you're looking at these ideas together. So I'd compare this approach to something that we refer to as a integrated approach, which is taking into consideration all these investment ideas before we invest.
0: In an integrated portfolio, you might not hold the cheapest stocks or the ones that improve the most. You'll hold the ones that are pretty cheap or improving decently. Basically, you're
1: looking for well-rounded stocks. The integrated approach means you find stocks that score the highest on the combination of value and momentum, not each one separately. The integrated portfolio can look and behave differently than the simpler portfolio mix, but it may be the better expression of an investment thesis.
0: Going back to the kitchen... The chef needs to find the right balance between ingredients so that they're not competing or canceling each other out. Tom's restaurant craft is all about this idea.
3: You know, I, I called my restaurant craft for a reason. I believe that cooking is a craft, less so an art. Craft was really about finding the perfect ingredient, doing very little to it, um, and enhancing the flavor, not trying to add to the flavor. So if we were serving a roasted piece of fish, it was simply a roasted piece of fish, some olive oil, some sea salt, maybe some fresh herb. That was it. No sauces, no garnishes, no, nothing to get in the way of it. And so that expression of cooking was much more about the craftsmanship, less about the artistry. Which isn't to say craftsmanship is easy. I would say if you look at crafts, a lot of people thought that the food was very simple. I always say, well, it looks simple because it's not complicated. I mean, there's not a lot of things on the plate. But it's not simple to cook a piece of fish perfectly with nothing around it. Because now you're actually cooking. It's like, it's like walking a tightrope without, without the, the net underneath. When you fall, it's, you, everybody's going to see it. You can cover stuff up with garnishes, things like that.
0: One of the big differences between cooking and investing is great chefs can identify right away if they're tasting a good dish or not. Tom's been the head judge on the show Top Chef
3: for 16 seasons. And he's gotten pretty good at his job. We can usually tell right away who's going to make it pretty far through. it. We can't, can't tell who's going to win um, because a lot could happen. But you can tell pretty quickly if there's 17 chefs or 16 chefs, the first go around, you can get a pretty good idea of where the talent is.
1: In investing, though, it takes a lot longer to tell if an implementation choice was the right call. Even a great investment idea doesn't work every day.
2: The number of choices in all of this is almost infinite. You can make so many choices at so many steps of the investment process. And what we're trying to talk about and highlight here is really just that there are choices. It's not always the case that one is better or right or more straightforward. There are certainly some that have reasons why we think they're better, but it's not always the case that it's a straightforward conclusion in terms of how you're making a particular design choice.
0: And this means skilled investors and even great chefs have to do a lot of homework before making
3: any kind of a change. What I sometimes would do is put a new dish on the tasting menu and kind of... Work through it, and maybe the next day we tweaked a little bit. But it still was a good dish. And eventually, by day five, it would be really dialed in. And so we were constantly tweaking dishes um, and constantly changing things depending on what was in season, what I can get a hold of. Um, but the system doesn't change. It's a, it's a way of taking those ingredients and plugging them into the system. The system stays the same. The timing stays the same. And for
1: Adrian, these small decisions can add up. The more of them that you get right, the better off your process can be. But there's a trade-off.
2: A lot of investors ask us, what is your edge? What is your advantage? And our response is, our edge is a sum of many small edges. But it also has the added complexity. And you ultimately have to weigh complexity versus a clearer understanding.
1: You need to be constantly balancing different trade-offs. Everything from transaction cost to combining themes to measuring signals is important. Implementation means a stock that you might like in theory isn't the same as a stock you should hold in practice.
0: And with that, I'm getting hungry. All right. Let's wrap this up then. To me, one of the great ironies of investing is that you might want to invest in simple and intuitive concepts, but the implementation of them is rarely that simple. And oftentimes, it shouldn't be. Adrian and Tom have spent a lot of their careers obsessing
1: over implementation. In both investing and cooking, there are countless tiny decisions you have to make to build a system that works. And when you add them all up, you can get something pretty unique.
0: So that's it for this episode. If you don't have too much on your plate, write us an email at curious@aqr.com. On the next episode, we revisit the idea of a zero-sum game. If there's a side that wins, then there must be a side that loses. Our question is, if some investors are beating the market, then who's on the other side?
2: Anytime that we get an outcome, we're trying to figure out how much of that outcome was influenced by luck, how much was influenced by skill, and we're crappy at that problem.
0: Until then, I'm Dan Villalon. And I'm Gabe Figali. Thanks for listening, folks.
2: You can follow all the steps and two people following the same steps can end up with very different dishes. And it's a very similar kind of a concept if you think about these kinds of steps and these choices in an investment context.
0: At least because we use organic optimizations.
1: Exactly.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's a high quality. Free
0: <laughs> range
1: factors. <laughs> you and I could both try roasting tomatoes. You would have a very different result than me. What, what, what are some of the things that go into it? What, what are some of the... Thoughts and kind of expertise technique that's required to pull off
3: something like that. That's fairly basic. Um, Damn. (laughs) So so is most of, of, of cooking, especially cooking. The views expressed in
1: this recording are the personal views of the participants as of the date indicated and do not necessarily reflect the views of AQR itself. Nothing contained in this recording constitutes investment, legal, tax, or other advice, and it should not be viewed as a current or past recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities
0: or to adopt any investment strategy. The information in this recording is based on current market conditions, which will fluctuate and may be superseded by subsequent market events or for other reasons. AQR does not assume any duty to update forward-looking statements. The information in this recording has been developed internally and or
1: obtained from sources believed to be reliable. However, no representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made or given by, or on behalf of, AQR as to the accuracy and completeness or fairness of the information contained in this recording.
0: Any liability as a result of this recording, including any direct, indirect special or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed copyright 2019 aqr capital llc all rights reserved